My guest on this week's episode of Suzzin Search is Luke Carthy. Luke is an in-demand conference presenter, a must-read blogger, and one of the leading experts in the world on e-commerce SEO and CRO. I spoke to Luke shortly after his presentation at YoastCon about GA4. I struggle to think of a topic that stirs up emotions quite like GA4. Digital marketers have been frustrated, they've been confused, some have been in denial, but the time has finally come. Universal Analytics is no more as of July 1. Luke is a perfect guest to discuss one of the biggest changes to our industry in my entire career. He'll reframe how I've been thinking about this change. He'll have some real-life examples of how he's gleaning information out of GA4. He'll also explain what not to do. Hint, don't auto-migrate. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Luke Carthy. We'll talk about how UA is like Gusto, whereas GA4 is more like the supermarket. We'll talk a little bit about how to make GA4 more useful for marketers. And we'll spend some time chatting about how, of all the Google rebrands, Looker Studio was the worst. Luke Carthy, welcome to Suds and Search. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, Mark. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on, man. I uh, can't wait to get into the conversation and see what we're about. I'm looking forward to it. You're, you're winding down your day, and I'm just getting started here in Chicago. But where I thought I'd start is a, a conference presentation you did at YoastCon recently about GA4, and I really enjoyed watching it. Um, you know, what, what's happening is we're, we're filming this June 1st, and we're coming down to the wire. Uh, yes. <laughs> this change is coming in a month. So admittedly, I'm not totally ready, and I get frustrated when I go in there. Um, your speech really helped me because it helped me understand part of my frustration. I, what's, sure. What I'm doing is I'm looking at GA4 and comparing it to UA. So I'm thinking, how do I do the same sorts of things I've always done in, in Google Analytics? And you say that framing was wrong. And, and, and also you point out that framing was perpetuated by Google and, and the, the people who, who, are, uh, who are representing Google that, you know, we could use it just like UA. What, for our audience, what's the, different, what's the problem with comparing GA4 to UA? To UA? Yeah, I think that's that's a really good question. So um, I think thing to clarify. So there's there's nothing that Google have said, at least that I have seen verbatim, that says GA4 is a direct replacement for UA. However, because we've had UA with us for like fifteen <laughs> years, seventeen years, something my whole career. Like yeah, that, yeah, it's been a heck of a long time. You would naturally assume that GA4 is is uh, an evolution, and of course it isn't. It's kind of like buying a new car and then you as a, as a driver are like, what do you mean the, the brake switch and the, and the, and the throttles on the opposite way around? You're like, you, you just hold on a minute. It's been this way forever. Why would you change it? So I think Google haven't said anything. And I think that is the problem. So they haven't gone out there and said, this is a replacement for, but they have said, uh, or by, by not saying that, that's what's caused the friction. And I think naturally people are going to look at UA, um, the analytics platform everyone's used on a, you know, for years. And then looked at GA4 and thought, hold on a minute, well, why can't I do the same things? Um, yeah. So yeah, the kind of first half of the talk was just explaining to people that, look, you're not the problem. It's it's not, you know, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people professionally, um, you know, done a few favors with people in terms of having a look and working things out. Um, what's most often the case is that the it's just changed. It's a transformation and it's a different way of thinking. It's a very, very new product um, when you compare it against the likes of, of UA. So that's really the crux of the problem. Yeah? Awesome. Yeah. And I, I think you gave me a little hope too. So you say that GA4 is not a tool for marketers. It's a tool for analysts, which we should get into. But 
That's cool, but I'm a marketer, so this this is a bad news for me. Um, the, the, as I said, there is some hope, though. The, the way that you frame this is a comparison between Gusto, which in, if, for people in the U.S., we have HelloFresh, where you get the recipe plus the ingredients delivered to you. Anyway, you say UA is like Gusto, whereas GA4 is more like the supermarket itself. Help, help me understand this, if you would. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest frustrations that we have and one of the key differences between the two systems is UA is very much been like a, a meal kit, right? The HelloFresh subscription, yeah. um, everything's measured, predefined, you've got the right sizing, you know exactly what steps to follow to get the recipe. And I kind of akin that to like the, 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 the standard reports we have in UA, landing pages, acquisition, default channel groupings, you know, your kind of standard paid search, uh, Google Ads report, it's all done, prefabbed for you, you just look at the data, customize it a little bit with like secondary dimensions, add some segments, good. But for the most part, those reports already exist. In GA4, it's like, yeah, no, no we, we, the, <laughs> that stuff does not exist. You have to then go out of your way and build it. So my um, example and explanation is that GA4 is literally like a supermarket in the sense of you can cook the exact same meal, but you first need to determine um, the products that you need to buy. Nothing is kind of given to you. So you've got to decide what brand of tomatoes you buy. You've got to walk down the aisles, pick things. You've got to create your own recipes and all that sort of good stuff, which is great because it means you can perfect it and you can customize it and refine it specifically to your use case. But it's a frustration and a real pain when for years we have had those reports um, and primary dimensions and metrics defined and, and kind of baked in for us. Um, and that I think is really the biggest shift. So we've gone from predefined reports made for marketers, nice and easy, get the data, to an incredibly powerful platform where everything is bespoke. And that is now a real kind of playground for data analysts. And that's the shift. And Google never explained that it's a, it's a product for a different audience. And I think that's why everyone's kind of up in arms and frustrated and confused and a bit, you know, um, naturally anxious about making the switch because it's very different product. Yeah, and I, I love it. And, I mean, going back to, I, I keep going back to my brain, which is to look at GA4 for the exact same things as UA. Um, okay, I get it. I'm going to have to do some work uh, to get the data that I want. Mm -hmm. There's not an outside the box solution that we can use for GA4. But then there's this thing, there's this auto migration feature that's right there. We could just, we just click it and start and you say, not so fast. Like, be careful, <laughs> be wary. What words of caution do you have about this auto migration feature? Yeah, so it, it seems like uh, the elixir, doesn't it? And the solution, <laughs> uh, it's got to fix all your problems and then you can just put it away and, and never have to worry about GA4 again. Look, um, when it comes to the auto migration feature, what's really important is that the way that UA uh, measures events and the way that GA4 measures events are, are very different and loosely to kind of explain it. We have been used and almost um, understood the way that events work in UA is of course category, action and label. We've lived by that for, for you know, over a decade. Um, now there's pros and cons to that. You know, the, the cons, I'm sorry, the pros been it's really simple. Three parameters of data, straightforward. Um, the downside to that is, and you may have had this situation before, where if you want three, if you if you want more than the three parameters of data, you struggle, right? And this is kind of where do you put action, and, and maybe can you recycle some things, or, or you know, it gets a bit cumbersome. While in GA four, it is what it is. You build whatever it is you want. Whether you want 
um, you know, three parameters, 10 parameters, one, none at all, that that is completely your call. So again, another really good example of supermarket versus milk kit. So like GA, if you move over your UA category action label, then you're literally just removing the limiting factor of UA over to GA4, which means that you're not properly embracing GA4. And actually what that means is um, you're not leveraging a bunch of stuff, including e-commerce reporting, that doesn't move across automatically. Um, if you've got any custom events and goals, they are tricky to kind of build into GA4. So I think what's really important is if you have a situation um, where auto migration or nothing, then yeah, absolutely. Auto migration is, is the best solution, but there is way more uh, potential and flexibility and you are using the products far more effectively if you migrate properly and manually as opposed to using auto migration. So really it's kind of like an emergency switch um, to oh, keep yeah. tracking active, but it's not by any means, in my opinion, a full-time solution to replace uh, a manual integration of GA4. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So maybe maybe if you're the, you know, the florist or the dry cleaner who just does this on weekends and nights, maybe that all migration. But for anybody who, who can really invest in marketing, uh, move through with it, it that, I, that registers. So yeah, I, I also want to agree with you on something. Um, it, it, Looker Studio versus Google yes. Data Studio. Can, can we uh, protest this change of, of all the rebrands? I think I hate this looker the most it sounds gross what, what, what happened in this whole situation right. for the rest of this show can we just call it data studio so i i don't let's feel do weird it. let's do it i'm in full agreement with you I, I don't know why they moved to looker studio i've got a feeling it's something to do with a copyright infringement or some spat between like adobe and google somewhere or, or something that i think is really trivial as a consumer but for google it's a big deal I just, it just doesn't make sense why that rebrand would happen yeah. but the good news is, even though the name is terrible, the tool itself is is, uh, is yes. pretty solid. Um, but actually, if I can, lastly, just to, to, to tap into the auto-migration yep. feature, what I'd recommend people do, if you're desperate, is do both. So have two properties, uh, one which is auto-migration as like a catch-all, just in case, prevent data loss, and then have a second one that you do manually. And that way you at least have the best of both worlds in that situation, right? So that can be a kind of good bit of insurance. Worst good case, advice. but you're still tracking. And then, you know, your manual one that you have as a separate property. Um, nice. But yes, I'm with you on the data studio the battle. I just don't get the rebrand, but it is what it is. <laughs> we move, we move, you know? That's right. That's right. And, and you're right. So the thing is, we've talked a little, about, a little bit about GA4 here. Now we really have to talk about uh, data studio because... You know, the, the regrettable rebrand aside, you, you say that if you're a marketer, you need this Google Data Studio because the native interface is just too clunky. It's not, for you, for you, logging into analytics anymore and looking at the at the native interface is not the best way to analyze client data. Data Studio is. Do, do I have that right? Have I have I captured this sentiment right? Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. And there's there's always going to be an edge case and, and people who are free to you know, have their own opinions and, and build things the way that they wish to. But I think when I'm building out um, new GA4 properties for clients, I will use the native GA4 interface for debugging, making sure things are behaving properly, very quickly running in, getting kind of data that I need to, but it's scrappy, um, it's time consuming and it's fractious, right? But it, it works. But if you want to have something where it's more representative of UA that you know and love, 
Um, so just having prefabricated reports, then data studios absolutely the layer we need to use. So um, I think, it, in my opinion, you go away, you build the reports that you want, that you love, that you're used to in data studio. And that kind of gets rid of some of the frustration and hesitancy and barrier to entry of GA4. Um, but yeah, data studio for me is the, is the meat and the sandwich between you know the, 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 the marketing layer and then the analytics product itself, in this case, Google Analytics, you know, so. Yeah, and you have, a, to, to kind of give you an example, or the audience an example of this, you have you have a reputation of working in e-commerce, and, and so, you know, some of the examples are specifically for e-commerce companies. You were able to, I, I hope you can remember this report that I'm referencing, but you were able to create a really cool report in Data Studio that answered some questions that would be just good business questions to have, like, uh, you know, in stock and out of stock items. I thought this would be a really good example of how to use GA4 plus Google Data Studio to answer pertinent business questions. If you recall the report I'm talking about, can you explain to our audience what you built and, and how it works? Yeah, for sure. So the kind of mechanics behind it was um, a bunch of custom data, if I'm honest. So it, there was nothing really that was out of the box. But that being said, it was relatively straightforward. So um, to avoid sending the audience to sleep, I'll make it brief, but <laughs> really to give you an example, there is an item in GA4 or an event in GA4 called view item. Um, and that is the equivalent of um, the, I forget the name of it in UA now, it's been a while, but like that then, what that does is fire an event to Google Analytics when a, a visitor has viewed a specific item. So that has the price, the name of the item, um, the order in which it was uh, in the brand and a number of other parameters. So all we did is building another custom parameter because of course in GA4 you can do that. You can build in within reason as many as you need to. And we just had another parameter which was stock status. And all that did is when somebody viewed an item for every single item they viewed, we pulled in the stock status at the time of the click. Mm. Um, and that then allowed us to build a data studio report that said, hey, let's create a... Um, let's create a report that shows you how many visitors are seeing products that are out of stock versus in stock. And then as another layer of granularity, we then added what particular channels are they coming from? Mm. And what that really allowed us to do is identify, first of all, which channels were driving the, the, the least engaging clicks because you don't want lots of traffic going to out of stock stuff. But more importantly, it allowed us to understand how much money we were wasting by sending paid traffic to out of stock lines, right? Because that yeah. for that for many brick businesses is like immediate pain. You know, if you can shave fifteen percent of your click waste by killing off clicks to out of stock products, that's an immediate win, immediate cost saving, immediate revenue grower, right? So like little things like that. Now that is not a report that exists anywhere in UA. Like that's not, never something we've had. And this yeah. is a great example of how when you get past the weeds of GA four the front end and the kind of data studio, you can, you've got this presentation layer to your clients, which is like, ah, wow. Now I've not just gone across, this is the revenue split per channel, but I can now see things that are important to us as a business. Stock, margin, um, any other kind of parameters and leverage that your client um, really depends and breeds on, like that's the stuff you can bring into GA4, which was more complicated to do before. So yeah. this is kind of where I, as a consultant, kind of make GA4 make sense. But for someone picking up GA4 who's always used UA, it's just like mm. head in hands, what's going on, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I think this is so good because you're, 
you're thinking like a business advisor now, not just like an SEO. So you can, you can actually help them with things that they maybe don't even know exist right now. So I, I think this is a great example because I've had a few pity parties myself about GA4. I get bad imposter syndrome when I go in there. I get frustrated and I feel stupid and like I can't figure this out. Um, but it seems like it's worth it uh, going through that that process of being frustrated. That's how everything works in this in this business. You get frustrated. Eventually, you get into a rhythm. Uh, you figure it out. But what what I, I thought I heard and I, I want to just kind of press this more is there is there are going to be things in GA4 that are better than UA because of this customization, because you can go to the grocery store and get whatever you want. It's not different. It's better, too. Can, can, yeah. can we unpack some of the ways that you're seeing? That was a great example. But some of the ways that you're seeing GA4 actually improve insights for a business. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just having greater control of, of what it is that uh, somebody wishes to measure, right? So let me give you another example. I have a client right now that has a B2B and a, um, uh, a kind of DIY end user consumer level uh, website. Um, so it's about a 70-30 split with the, the biggest share kind of in trade, but they really want to push for the next couple of years making uh, consumer level um, spending higher because of course the margin is greater, it's a bigger untapped audience, all that sort of good stuff. So we really worked on a way to bring in those custom metrics that are important to them into GA4. So one is like account type. So are you DIY, are you trade, are you, um, we've got another level which is like super size trade, right? So like you pay by credit, you've got a huge amount of um, money, maybe six, seven figures in credit, just ready to spend. Mm. Um, I think they call it like integration. But then of course you've got how many transactions, lifetime spend, mm. um, you've got uh, account ID. So maybe you've got, you know, one account, but seven different users. So they wanted to measure all of this. You know, there's uh, each customer is assigned to a particular branch. So they wanted to understand which branches were driving the most amount of online revenue. Um, and these were questions that they couldn't answer before. Or if they did, it had to be meetings with finance teams and then doing a bunch of lookups and then getting data from here and there. And it'd be a, a good week's worth of meetings and conversations just to get to the answer. So we've now been able to build into GA4 um, all of those data parameters relatively easily and now create a dashboard that gives them all of that intel. So best performing uh, branches um, consumer spend and whether that's increasing or decreasing top performing customers. And that's just stuff wow. they open up, switch a date range on and they have the answer. So there's no more digging around for like hours and having painful meetings and doing V lookups and then kind yeah. of wondering if the data is accurate because there's been so many steps in getting there. Um, wow, so yeah. that is something that don't get me wrong. You could have done in UA, but it would have been really, it would have been ironically a lot more difficult to do it in UA than it would be in GA4 because of the whole limitations and, and simply uh, kind of almost simple construction of how UA works. While GA4, yes, the barrier to entry is higher, but because it is so configurable, it's you can kind of just make it whatever the heck you want. Um, so I use that as a really good example of like, where you can stretch, pull, and customize GA4 in a way that we've not been able to do before. You know? No question. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think this is fascinating. I mean. The last thing from your presentation before I move on, I, I saw at the beginning, you have this funny image of a rodent eating the last bits off a piece of corn. And it, it reminded me like, this stuff's going away. Your UA data is going away and we only have a few days left. You know, what, what should we be doing uh, with our UA data in these final days that we have it? Uh, what, what advice could you give to our audience? 
Yeah, so I think we're, we're definitely at a crossroads. And if you've not been here up until now, um, then this is ever more pressing, right? But yeah. you really have a decision to make. Um, one, the option one is kind of to ignore it, which is a bad decision, but there will be people out there who will ignore it for, for a multitude of reasons, but you can ignore it. You can migrate, whether that's auto or do it properly, um, or you can use something else, right? And go to something like plausible, um, there's a number of other options um, as well. Um, oh gosh, there's one that always escapes me, and it's a really big one across Europe. Um, yeah. Matomo, Matomo. So Matomo is another great example. Um, but my point here is, you've kind of got a decision to make. My advice in these situations is, if you are not well ready to kind of invest the time, energy, and money into migrating, I fully respect and understand that more so for the small businesses, the independents, the ones that aren't really tech focused, it's, it's intimidating, I get it. So in my opinion, in those situations, I would say auto migrate and also plumb in a third party analytics property. Mm. So something off the shelf, whether it's triple whale, as I said, plausible mm. Matomo. Now the beauty of that then, you've got uh, a baseline, albeit it's thin, but it's a baseline. Um, and you also then have the ease of use of using another third party. So you've just got nice, simple, prefabricated reports. Um, now, the beauty of having both data feeds is that, let's say if one of those third party analytics platforms decides to get bought out by Google or, or Adobe, we know these things happen, and it goes from an accessible $20 a month product to a you know, $15,000, $20,000 a year kind of solution, right? Which, which happens. You're at a situation then where if you don't have that original Google Analytics baseline, you have a massive data black hole and you either have to make a decision to pay that big amount of money or just deal with the fact that you've lost the data. So you, it kind of removes the reliance and lock-in to a certain solution. Um, other thing to mention as well is that by keeping Google Analytics as a baseline underneath, all your Google Ads, all your audiences, all your kind of implementation, your Google Search Console are just seamless and easy. And it makes things a lot more straightforward. So whatever you decide to do as a business, just make sure Google Analytics, whether you use it or not, is running in the background and then plumb in a third party if that's something you wish to do. Um, if you have the money, the resources, analytics is important to you because you're a, you know an eight, nine figure online business. You can't afford to make this mistake because there will come a time in three months, a year, two years from now, where someone in the business has an important question that needs an answer and, you know, you can't answer it. And I would hate for anyone to be in that situation where it's like, I don't know, you know, it's, it's not something anyone wants to be in. So rather than wait till you get to that point where you're playing around with a lot of money and you're taking a stab in the dark, just spend the investment and get GA4 right um, yeah. from the outset. Well, incredible. And I... You know, I, I think one of the things that's going to happen after July 1st is people are going to, they're going to really realize how, how right they've been or how wrong they've been. Like it's, it's going to be over with. If, if people do run into trouble setting up GA4, particularly for e-commerce businesses, I want, them, I want to point them to a resource you have. It's a video that tells people how to set up GA4. This, this might not be super interesting on a podcast like this, but it's really, really good re, uh, resource for people. We'll link to it in the show notes. But tell us about this video you've created and where people can go to find it. Yeah, I appreciate that. So it's it's a little old. I think it's probably approaching maybe a year, but it's still absolutely valid. And that is a video that helps people who are using um, UA right now and have UA in the site to use that data um, that's been sent to Google Tag Manager and actually just 
push it to GA4 in the correct mm. format. Um, so that means that you don't necessarily have to get developers involved. Um, you haven't got to kind of get access to the site. You can just use GTM to get all that stuff done. And that, that can be enough to get you over the line. Um, but what I will say is things have moved forward since then in the right direction. Um, and Shopify now has an official uh, a native GA4 uh, app. So you can just go ahead, get that installed, and all your e-commerce tracking is done out of the box. So there's right. very little excuse to not move across to GA4. Now all the work is done for you via an app. Um, Magento is the same. Um, there is a number of third-party plugins that are very well supported. Uh, I've had the experience of using them and play playing around with them myself. Like, for me, um, the only real level of, I guess, customization and challenge and difficulty is if you want a bespoke platform. Um, but if you want a bespoke platform, then typically you're the higher end of business, right? No one really is bespoke mm -hmm. is part. So I think the barrier to entry, at least as far as technical implementation is concerned and getting the data feed in is, is almost squashed. Like the, the problems almost disappeared. Mm -hmm. The issue yeah. now is on an interface level and making the data make sense. Um, and I think for that, yes, we need data studio. So if anything else, if there's one bit of advice, go and get your app installed. But then actually, I think where people should be spending their time once the data's good is on data studio. Watch the videos, read the reports, um, uh, sorry, read the, the blog posts and just get comfortable with building reports and playing around with data and data studio. I think that will be the way to make GA4 um, you know, work for most people. Awesome. And then one other, one other resource I wanted to point people to. So if you want to stay in all the news of Luke Carthy, make sure to subscribe to his newsletter. Um, Luke, what, what's the newsletter about and what, what, where do people go to sign up? Yeah. So, uh, you can go to lukecarthy.com. Um, I believe it's slash newsletter. Uh, I really hope I've got the URL. Um, but the, I just kind of bang on about all sorts of stuff. So teardowns, um, a more, a more, one of the more popular ones. We have a, a, a confectionery retailer here in the UK. I believe they've actually broke ground in the US, uh, in the last couple of years called Hotel Chocolat. Um, and they have a pretty bad checkout experience, at least here in the UK. So I kind of tear it down. Um, but not from a point of being an unnecessary critic, but actually from the point of, if your checkout looks like this and you're making these mistakes, go fix it. Um, so it just kind of helps people to understand and surface problems that they may not have even thought about. So that's CRO, Ecom, SEO, GA stuff, um, but it all kind of operates and, and lives and breathes in the world of Ecom. Just me basically having a rant in front of a camera for about 20 minutes an episode or something like that. So. Well, it's, it's awesome stuff. And you you're are absolutely one of the... I talk to people every single week. You're one of my absolute favorite guests we've had on here. I feel a lot better about GA4. I appreciate you. Uh, we've, we've had some technical difficulties the first time we tried this, so I appreciate you uh, rescheduling with me. I uh, Is there anything else that we, we should know? Like, where are your favorite social media? How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so look, I'm pretty active on uh, on most of them now. Twitter, yeah, less so nowadays. But LinkedIn, um, my name's pretty unique, so there's not too many Luke Carthys out there, which is, uh, which is, which is helpful. Um, but the kind of last thing I guess I'd say on, on GA is that properties are your friend, right? Like yeah. create a live property, create a test one. And as long as you have that clear differentiation, go ham in the sandbox, right? Break stuff, right. build stuff, destroy stuff. But what you don't want to do is mess around in the live one. Um, but I would love to kind of almost be in a situation where you and I could both look back at this 
in six months and laugh about it because the barrier to entry is almost <laughs> just eradicated and it's now nice and simple. We will see, right? Um, that would be nice, see. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, wonderful. Well, well, Luke, thanks so much again. I'm going to give you a virtual cheers. Uh, for everyone else watching, we'll be back next week with another episode of Sets and Search. Thanks, Luke. All right. Thanks again.